0: Welcome to Abide in Liberty, a podcast empowering patriots everywhere to re-enthrone faith, family, and freedom as the bedrock pillars of liberty in education, our communities, and our nation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Abide in Liberty episode. Um, Not only is this this week's episode, but this is also going to be the last episode of Abide in Liberty I took a couple of weeks off over the Christmas and New Year's break and I've been you know thinking about where we've been so far in the podcast, what we've talked about and where to go from here and you know I I kind of keep coming back to the same basic set of things. I don't have anything new and interesting to say, so rather than um, you know trying to find different ways to say the same things again, um, I think we're just going to wrap it up. It's been a good run, and um, I think this is going to be it. You know, I did consider, you know, do I want to start taking on current events, do a little bit more political commentary, and you know, there are a lot of there are a lot of people who do that and who do it better than I could ever find time to do myself with, uh, with running the school and everything else that we've got going on with our family. Um, I just feel like it's time to put the time that I have been putting into this podcast and other things, especially since, um, you know, I feel like I've said what I need to say. You know, I keep, I've already in some of the, the past few episodes come back to a few just basic, um, ideas and concepts that you don't need my help to go out and apply. You know, one of those is Principles over politics. Um, you know, I've I've criticized Biden on the basis of principle. I've criticized Trump on the basis of principle, um, and I I firmly believe that uh, with George Washington, I echo the the concerns that he gave in his farewell address that the spirit of party is a real problem. That when we get locked into a political ideology or a political party and we refuse to to speak with people on the other aisle or even try and see the world from their point of view when we will accept what um, a favorite political pundit says just because we like them and that's the person that we voted for without critically evaluating whether the thing that they're doing or the thing that they're saying is righteous or evil. Um, I think that's a major, major problem. The other thing I keep coming back to is the reality that God is real and so is Satan. When we look at the world and we look at the problems that it faces, we should ask ourselves and evaluate the world's problems based on those two realities. Is this thing here that we're looking at, is this God's hand at work or is it Satan's hand at work? If it's God's, we should support it. If it's Satan's, we should oppose it. It really is that simple. And you know, it floors me and surprises me every single time. You know, I I'd have a conversation with somebody that tries to justify how great public school is when you simply have to look at the fact that kicking God out—that is a satanic victory. And when you kick God out, what replaces him? There is no middle ground. There is no gray area, guy. It's God or Satan. And if God's not there, the other guy is reigning and we've seen the results of satan's infiltration of our public school system over the past 60 years and it has it has grown horns and just gone crazy in the past couple of years and i shouldn't pick on public schools too much this is a societal issue that's just one that's near and dear to my heart because of the profession that i'm in and what my wife and i are doing with Liberty Youth Academy. The other thing I keep coming back to is this country was founded by God. Yes, he's real, and yes, he plays a part and plays a role and takes an active hand in shaping world events, and that was absolutely true for this nation. And the people that he used to make that happen were incredible and deserve our respect, our admiration, And our emulation, no, they weren't perfect. That doesn't mean we have to copy their bad things, but there is so much that that our society could benefit from trying to be a little bit more like the founding fathers. And probably the biggest thing that I keep coming back to is that God needs his army, the people who are on his team to be fully engaged in the real world and not so steeped in entertainment and worldliness that they're driven to inaction or just complete distraction and things that don't really matter. Something else that I keep coming back to is that we don't gain strength by being surrounded by evil. There's this frankly unscriptural and satanic lie that many believers, many Christians have bought into that the way that we get strong is we have to go face the evil head on. We have to know the lingo we have to speak the language. We have to know what all the evil craziness is and be surrounded by it as a test of our strength or, or something like that. But the scriptures tell a very different story. Strength comes in surrounding ourselves with godly influences. Ultimately, it's our job to find out what God wants us to do with our lives and then do it no matter what and you know i have never i we, my wife and i do a lot of praying over what he wants us to do with the school over how he wants us to spend our time and there, there's not a single time that he has told me i'd really like you to spend 2 hours binge watching netflix or 3 hours crushing it at candy crush that just doesn't happen Satan and his army, they're fully engaged and God needs us to do the same thing. He needs us to take what he tells us and run with it. And some of it's going to seem crazy. Some of it's going to scare us to death, but that's how we win. That's how we find ourselves on God's side at the end. And finally, and this kind of leads into the the rest of what I want to talk about this time, is that the zombie apocalypse is already here. And you can see it every time you pass someone in the grocery store, or you see someone walking down the street, or you enter someone's home, and you you see a person or entire family just zoned out to a screen of some kind. Someday, in 100 years or 200 years, when scientists look back at the decline of our society, the infatuation, the obsession with screens and entertainment is going to be a major hallmark that historians look at to mark the decline and the ultimate disillusion of our society. It is that big of a deal, which leads me to my final topic. I promised that we would share some testimonials and some feedback from parents who participated in our no screen November challenge. And I just would not feel right about signing off and, um, Stopping abide in liberty without making good on that promise. So here's some of that feedback. I want to start with just some general feedback that our teachers at school noticed. So we have a policy that um, students who are working hard during times when they're supposed to be working, obviously get to play during times when it's playtime and we have ample playtime at school. On the flip side, students who choose not to work during work time, but choose to rather to play, um, they get to make up that lost work time when everyone else is playing. So at lunch and recess, they bring their food out. And if they wasted 15 minutes, they were goofing off 15 minutes during math or language arts, then they get to make up that time at lunch. And over no screen November, the first week, um, I think by the end of the first week and beginning of the second week. We went from having like 20 plus kids out at, uh, at this makeup period um, for at least some portion of that recess makeup period down to, we had several days where we only had one or two. The, the ability of these kids to focus was absolutely astounding how much they improved. I think that was the biggest thing that we could easily measurably see at a macro level. But then as we talked to all of our teachers, they had kids who, oh, I guess the other thing, that's not true. The other thing is I I help out in about three different two or three different classes with math um, as kind of a stand in aid. And when students um, you know, miss a problem, they have to correct it the next day. And if they miss it again, we call those second corrections. It's their second time trying to correct them and we as teachers or aides will go around and help them work through it. Well, prior to No Screen November, I was really struggling with really not very many kids. It shouldn't have been this much of a struggle, but it was trying to help them get through those second corrections. There were a lot of mistakes, a lot of, and they were struggling to, to fix the mistakes even after explaining them. Well, during No Screen November, they were, they were fixing most of their own mistakes. They were catching it. They were preventing them and then when they did make mistakes, they were resolving them themselves for the most part. And then for those that they couldn't, when it came time for me to come around and help them, they were picking up on the concept so much faster. So I ended up having all kinds of extra time at the end of each math period because we were able to get through all of these questions and second corrections so much faster. The other thing that was disheartening to see was that as soon as no screen November ended the difficulty concentrating and getting through those corrections with math came right back. I mean, it took a day or two and that was it. And that table where kids make up for the time that they missed during work time filled right back up. We were right back to 20 plus students wrapping up work that they either didn't get to, or that they just didn't do because they were goofing off or having a hard time focusing. So guys, this, you know, when we talk about no screen November, the the effects of this are real. And, the compounded impact on the future of these children of having so much time wasted because they are incapable of focusing and concentrating is the the impact of that over a lifetime and over years of education is absolutely astounding. But if they could come in and focus every day of their school career for the 18 years, well, I guess not 18, they start when they're five, 13 years that they're doing that through high school, imagine how much more they'd be able to accomplish, how much more they'd be able to advance, how much more ready they would be for whatever their profession is going to be. And how, anyways, I enough said, but guys, it's real. It's time to pull our head out of the sand and do something different. And if you notice these changes, stick with them. Stick with them. You don't have to go back. You get to shape your own world. You're not, there's no one holding a gun to your head, forcing you to go along with the trends of the world. We don't have to follow everyone else over the cliff. All right. So reading some parent feedback, this one came from a parent who started no screen November a little bit early, um, but already had seen some benefits. She said that um, her son is doing great. Never asked to watch TV. She rewards him one quarter for each no-screen day, this is a very young child, so that he can pay for pizza day and out-of-dress code day. The money is not the driver because he never asks for them. Overall, he is more cooperative and less talkback. We like no-screen days. I want to do this forever. Another mom said, our family had a very positive experience with no-screen November. Our daughter sketched hundreds of pictures, built a fort in the TV room, and read a whole series of books. She also had no problem going to bed on time, practicing the piano, and doing her chores when asked. Our son read a lot of books as well and got working on his homework as soon as he got home. As a family, we listened to a lot of music, put together a couple puzzles, and had good conversations throughout the day. This was a great experience for our children and family. It has helped us stick to the no screen policy Monday through Thursday and limit our use on the weekend. Can't wait to do it again. Again, you know, the what do they miss out on? Some TV shows, but they were creating, they were building, they were reading, they were learning, they were accomplishing meaningful things like homework, they were playing games together, they were interacting, they were building family relationships and actual memories, over the course of what, three weeks, extend that out for years. And just imagine how this family and these kids would transform. And it sounds like they're planning on implementing some lifelong changes. So kudos to you. Go do it. Um, This is from another mom. We were pleasantly surprised with all of the improvements we had after removing screen time for our eight-year-old son. He is a naturally energetic child and has a diagnosis of high-functioning autism and ADHD. After hearing the benefits of not having screen time, we were all committed to staying the course for the entire month. Even our son was steadfast in avoiding screens and would shield his eyes if a stranger's phone came into view. The biggest change we saw in him happened around week three, which is fairly typical for neurosensitive children um, like this young man is. His increase in focus and creative thinking was very apparent. Toys he hadn't played with in a long time became exciting again and inspiring. He would spend an hour putting together something when three weeks prior we couldn't even get him to sit down to dinner for more than two minutes. The most amazing part was the conversations we had. Instead of focusing on when he could play his game next, it was about what he could create next consuming versus creating. He is, he's creating something in his world rather than consuming someone else's creativity, which is really what video games is, right? Someone else had the creativity to come up with that game and you're just consuming it. You're, you're repeating it. You're not doing anything new or different. Even in a world like Minecraft, there are boundaries limited by the imagination of the person who created it or the people who created it. We start going on a little sidebar there. We as a family were able to connect better and not worry about the can I watch something question. I will note that we are not a family that is heavy on screen time during other months, but the little bit that we do allow apparently makes a major difference. When the end of November rolled around, we did allow our son to have his limited screen time back, and that was the most shocking change of all. Immediately, he was unfocused, more energetic, and had trouble going to sleep. After going through this experiment, my husband and I realized we need to have a screen time plan for our family. We now know there is a major benefit in avoiding what screens we can. In our modern world, I don't think there's any way to avoid it altogether, but putting up boundaries for our family has become a priority. And that's what we found too. For our kids, there is a way that we can, especially during those developmental years, I mean, that, and when I say that, that's not just when they're developing f- developing physically the most, when they're very young, but even in adolescence, you know, when their uh, frontal lobe is going through its biggest growth spurt in puberty and after, that's the worst time to have them all doped up on screen time. So as parents, yeah, we need to, I think there is a way in the modern world to have our kids live without it. Our kids do. And yeah, it does limit them a little bit. My son has to carry around a physical dance card for our church dances as opposed to the app, but he still goes. It's a little inconvenient, but he still gets to participate. Um, So there is a way to do it. But as a parent, (laughs) it is a little more challenging. There's still emails to answer, but there are certainly ways to manage it. And if we allow our kids to fully develop and get their frontal lobe fully developed before they have to decide what to do with screens, they're going to be a lot more able to manage and control themselves as adults than if their uh, their development is stunted by exposure during crucial developmental years. All right. So this is from another mom. The biggest thing—so this is from a parent who, kind of like us, had— um, had pretty good screen time boundaries in place. There was not a lot of screen time happening with her kids anyways. So she didn't see any, um, any major differences from their control versus taking away all screens. They'd kind of already found that sweet spot, that amount of, um, screen time that their kids can handle without exhibiting poor behaviors or having adverse side effects. But she did still have some things that I thought were important. She said, the biggest thing I noticed is that a lot of parents are not on board with no screens. I got a lot of judgment and negative criticism for encouraging my kids to participate. I couldn't believe how many friends and family gave me pushback about not doing screens for the month. I think this was my biggest shocker. This alone is what makes me want to continue doing very limited screen time and try and find ways to not be dependent on them. I mean, this is, this is kind of is like one of those things where, um, you know, I, I'm floored when people are upset by my Christian beliefs and the things that that makes me do, right? Like, so abstaining from sexual relations before marriage, or not, in my case, not drinking alcohol or not using, you know, vulgar language. There, there are people out there who are genuinely ticked when they're confronted with someone who is managing and controlling themselves around Christian principles like that. And the only conclusion I can come to is the reason why that makes them so mad is that there's a part of them. We're all born with a conscience. We're all born with the light of Christ. We know right from wrong. Adam ate of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and we all know what right from wrong is. But someone who is doing wrong and doesn't want to feel guilty about it doesn't want to have to see somebody else who is choosing right, so there's I think a guilt factor there, and I you know I can't for the life of me understand why a parent would be or why you know why there would be so much pushback over a challenge like this. Um, so what's the worst that's going to happen? Is they're going to read more? They're going to spend more time with their friends. So what what what's the big deal? And the only thing I can come up with is again, there's a guilt factor here. This is probably more indicative of those other parents and those other people's dependence on screens than on this mom's decision to um, take control of this issue with her own family. And that doesn't mean that these other people are bad. Um, You know, this is a level, this is a conversion and an understanding that I've grown into. If, if, you know before starting the school and seeing so much of this myself if my wife had come to me with this kind of an idea i probably would have been resistant as well but when you see it over and over again every single day with dozens upon dozens of children it becomes hard to deny you know you might be able to rationalize it with you know your little handful of children that you have in your home but when it's when it's the dozens and even hundreds that we get to see at school the the patterns become hard to deny. You've really got to be trying hard to not see it. That same mom um, had some great uh, introspection that I think is, is spot on for what the people who are resistant to her taking this no screen challenge seriously were dealing with. So she said, she went on, I knew I was dependent on screens, but I didn't realize just how bad. For me, I think I... I think I'm one who it mimics ADHD symptoms when distracted with screens. I have debated getting tested because of my son having it and it being genetic, but after November, I feel much more confident that at least for now, limiting screens is a powerful enough tool for managing my squirrel-like tendencies. I noticed a big difference in my mood. I find that it is hard to feel sadness and depression without wanting to turn to my phone for a quick fix recognizing that and then taking the time to feel my feelings really helped me not to react in a negative manner to things that would have been triggering for me. And I saw this same thing in myself. We've been pretty good about controlling screens uh, for our kids for the past many years, but there were really no limits on myself. And so we're kind of in the same boat where we saw some benefits with our kids. They were more kind to each other. They played better together there was less griping and arguing and talking back. They read a lot more. They were outside a lot. I mean, so there was a lot of great things that we saw, but I saw the biggest changes in myself, in my own mood and in my own mentality, um, in my ability to cope with stress, in um, the amount that I was able to do when I wasn't constantly barraged with notifications and buzzing, vibrating phones. Um you know, my ability to control my temper was hugely increased. So there there certainly were a lot of benefits. Um, I hope if any of you out there within the sound of my voice took this challenge seriously, I hope that you're continuing forward. It may not look exactly like it did during the no screen November challenge, but that there were some drastic changes made in your family. I know there have been for ours. We've limited ourselves to a movie night every Friday night. And that has been wonderful. We've still seen a lot of the benefits that we saw from the challenge, but, you know, we still get to sit and watch a movie with our kids. Um, But please, please don't go back to the way things were before. And quite honestly, this kind of leads, kind of coming full circle back to what I started with, to one of the reasons why, aside from the fact that I feel like I don't have a whole lot more to say that um, it's time for Abide Biden Liberty to wind down. During No Screen November, I took a major break from podcasts. You know, Rather than always having someone else's voice talking in my ear, I have been able to, to hear God's voice a lot more in my life by removing that noise. Um, there's a lot that I've learned from podcasts, but I've learned far more by being able to be more connected with my heavenly Father, and so I, I'm struggling in good conscience to continue putting out um, content when I really just wish more people would put these podcasts away, put their phones down, and go engage in the real world with the real people who surround them. Yes, I know that you're probably learning a lot from the podcast, but you can learn a ton, way more from the people who surround you. I think I've mentioned I've wasted so much time watching YouTube's on, you know, how to make things happen with our our homesteading here and online research and since I've forced myself to stop learning from those sources and go to the real people who surround me in my immediate network here, I've learned far more, far quicker and avoid and avoided wasting so much time in doing that. That doesn't always work. You know, I needed to fix the brakes on my car this week and YouTube was still a great resource for that. But, um, you know, there are, as it turns out, there are actually very few things that we actually need our phones and the internet and Google and YouTube for. Um, and in many cases, they're distractions pulling us away from the real people who need our eye contact, our undivided attention. So with that, I thank you, everyone, all three or four of my listeners who <laughs> have been listening for the past year and a half and have been here with me through this journey. Um, I've learned a lot. This has certainly helped me crystallize and formulate, and uh, you know, kind of put into concrete some of my own thoughts and feelings. And, anyways, I thank you for uh, for being for being here with me for listening. And I hope that you've got something out of it. God bless. Thank you for listening to Abide in Liberty. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and share this with friends and family. In the meantime, keep up with the show online at abideinliberty.com. Also, if you'd like to help our K through 12 bless and educate more families, contact us by visiting libertyyouthacademy.org. Until next time, be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith and be strong.